Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And welcome back to the show. It really is my distinct honor and privilege to introduce our next guest, Dr. Elsa Nunez, who for 18 years has been the president of Eastern Connecticut State University, just a few months ago announcing her retirement. But she's not, she's not gone yet. Under Dr. Nunez's leadership, Eastern has received several major national recognitions, including being ranked as the number one public regional university in New England in U.S. News & World's Report 2021 Best College Rankings. It has also been awarded Green Campus status by the Princeton Review 10 years in a row. Dr. Nunez uh, was originally born in Puerto Rico, and a lot of her academic training and focus has been on enhancing diversity, true diversity within college campuses in terms of giving kids from first-generation immigrant families a leg up towards the middle class. She is also credited with creating a tremendously diverse academic and administrative faculty at Eastern. And in the wake of this conversation about diversity and equity, and particularly with the heat, on so many college presidents in front of Congress just a couple of weeks ago, I really wanted to have this conversation about what is what ought to be the role of college campus presidents when it comes to free speech and controversial issues. Dr. Elsa Nunez, welcome back to the Lisa Wexler Show. Hello. Hello, Lisa. Thank you for having me. It's an honor and a privilege to be on the show. Thank you. Well, first of all, I have to thank you personally for your support of the show. You know, you've been supporting our show for about 16 years. You know that? Yeah, yeah. It's a great show. It's a great show. And we love to get students in your catchment area to come to Eastern. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we love it. We love it. So, look, Dr. Nunez, I am sure you, as as the rest of America, were glued to your screen watching Liz McGill and Claudine Gay and and Sally, I think it's Kornbluth from uh, MIT, all of them on the hot seat with very legalistic, unsatisfying answers to questions about free speech on college campuses. Let me just ask you, as somebody who's in the hot seat yourself as a professional, did you think that their testimony, that their responses to testimony, could you see how it sounded to the rest of us like it was tone deaf? Well, you know, Lisa, it's hard to, first of all, I'm, I, I would never begin to criticize them because 
to be on the hot seat in front of Congress is something else. So mm. what would I say? What would I have done? Would I have, you know, acted differently? It's, it's not fair to judge them in that way. I will say that they had a terrific team of lawyers work with them. And, and you could see from their testimony that they did um, uh, respond legalistically. And the uh, president of Penn is a lawyer herself, as oh, you I are. Know. And, I know she was the dean yeah. of Stanford Law for nine years as a yeah, lawyer I know. myself. I'm a great dean. I, it, it pained so, me because, and by the way, Wilmer Hale was the same law firm that was coaching all of them. It pained yeah. me that they were that they were speaking to the public as if they were arguing in front of the Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that that was they were careful. They were instructed to be careful. They followed instructions, and I, I don't want to criticize them for doing that. But I do think, Lisa, that this issue of free speech and what is permissible on college campuses is, it you know, it's since the Vietnam War. Remember when mm-hmm. college presidents got fired because students wanted presidents to go against the war, and some presidents didn't go against the war, and so they. You know, boards, you know, fired those presidents. So this is not new to college presidents nor to our country's uh, college campuses. What I will say is that um, this is a wonderful country. As you said, Lisa, I was not born here, but came with my parents who were the greatest Americans. They both died, my father at 90 and my mother at 93. Greatest Americans. They loved the opportunity that this country gave them. So I was I was raised with loving this country and appreciating it, even with all its flaws. And so I say that because I think free speech is, as you know, at the heart of who we are as Americans. And it's a tough one because free speech means you have to listen to what people say um, that you don't like and that you disagree with, but they have the right to say it. Although not all free speech is, not all speech is free speech. If someone hired, as you know, Lisa, screens fire in a in a theater that's not free speech mm-hmm. and if it's um speech that's uh targeted at a and for example if someone says i hate puerto ricans um they're stupid and I, i'm going to get president nunez because uh, she's puerto rican that that's targeted speech hate speech and that's uh, protected by the government uh, the federal government and that is uh a, a crime to use that kind of speech when it's targeted at a person but beyond that um, people do say things that I find offensive on college campuses on my own. And I'll give you an example. I, I had students who said that Puerto Ricans men rape white women and uh, that they don't work and that they're criminals, et cetera, et cetera. And so the community expected me to do something to the students. There were three white males who said that. And uh, my position was I want to meet with the three students. And I met with them. And what I said to them, Lisa, was my fa- grandfather fought in World War One. My father in World War Two, And my brother was damaged extensively in Vietnam. Mm. Uh, and so my my family has fought and, and, and to the extent that they were injured, too, um, to protect your right to say those things about Puerto Ricans, even though my family is Puerto Rican. I have to protect your right to say it. I'm saddened that you said that because it's ignorant. You know, it's uh, mean. It's uh, hate speech. But you have the right to say it. And I ended the meeting and I didn't punish them. So it was hard for me. I was almost in tears in that meeting that three students from Eastern could say that about a community of people. But I also knew that I couldn't punish them for saying it. Yeah. Well, that's right. And, you know, there's so much there's so much layering to this. We're chatting with Professor Elsa Nunez. You know, obviously, when it comes to a lot of the recent uh, 
Palestinian stuff, it has gone beyond speech, unfortunately, into intimidation, bullying, threatening, um, vandalism, keeping people away from classrooms. And, of course, one speech isn't just speech. That's a whole different category. Uh, and that, right. that, that needs to stop. But what concerns me, and you may have seen this, there have been many reports lately about how students growing up today do not have the same attitude about free speech that you and I do, that it has to be allowed if it is speech. And it's the students themselves, when they're polled, who don't understand the First Amendment. Have you been seeing the results of a lot of these polls of kids? Yes, and I think you're right. They don't understand it, nor do they understand the history of the conflict. They don't know a map of the Middle East. They don't know a map of Israel or where Palestine is. They don't know the history of the conflict going back to 1948. We had a wonderful session here at Eastern uh, conducted by our uh, significant faculty member who's a historian. And she, the place, Lisa, was just jam-packed with people, faculty, but mostly students, and they wanted to learn the history. And her point was, I'm not taking a side here. I just want you to understand before you make a decision the history of what's going on. So they don't understand the First Amendment is true. What I will say, Lisa, is that Title VI is really important in this discussion. And uh, when students feel unsafe on a campus, and this is what happened at several campuses, they file a uh, complaint with the civil rights office of the country. The civil rights office then uh, follows up on those complaints. And the basis of of Title VI is that if Lisa Wexler is a student at Eastern and someone says something that is, uh, let's say, anti-Semitic, and she feels very uncomfortable about what is being said, or there's a rally and somebody says things that are anti-Semitic, and she feels very scared. I, as president, must act, not Mm. to condemn the people that are speaking or to attack their rights for free speech, but I must stand up for Lisa Wexler and say that this is Eastern, those are not the values of this this, uh, university, that I, I am appalled by what is said, that, and that you have the right to your education as guaranteed by, by you know, the, all the laws. And that's what's missing right now. I think when, it, when the speech is said, the presidents may not always rise to say, I, I condemn that speech, even mm. though you have the right to say it. And Lisa Wexler, I will protect her right to get an education because she's I scared. See. She feels right. she's unsafe. So I have to come to your to your support. And that's really Title Six. I'm required to do that. But but they have failed because this I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I don't think the message has been delivered loudly. They've and of taken course the, too long in some cases. Yes. Yes. And of course the accusations are that there's a double standard because there have been a lot of speech that's been punished. From, from academics and, and administration officials who have taken unpopular views with respect to, let's say, biological gender issues or right. affirmative action issues. And some of these people that have been punished have been black themselves in some of these very elite college campuses. And so the allegation is, hold on a minute, you were the first one to get rid of somebody because they didn't agree with your view on something. I think Maureen Dowd said it best when she talked about favored speech. Right. Favored speech. And I think that yeah. there's something to that, Dr. Nunez. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that there's speech that we tolerate more 
on one side or the other, depending on where our personal uh, values are and our views. And that's a danger. As a president, I cannot take sides. I, mm-hmm. I represent students, and I must protect each of them uh, and their right to get a full education at Eastern. And that's a tough thing to do because everybody wants me to take a side. I everybody. Bet. And they want, me, they want to know, what are you really thinking, Elsa? What are you really feeling? And to hide all that from view is, is a challenge. And so every time I say I will, you know, I, I protected the right of those students to say things that I hated hearing, uh, I must protect everybody's right to say what they, uh, right. as long as, as it's long not as it's a, just, a hate. As long as it's just speech, and that's the key. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. As right. long as their behavior and actions don't veer into, you know, in, into pushing somebody into a building or something like that. That's right. No, that's, that's right. different. That's that's mm-hmm. that that's criminal. That could be criminals. And, and we have to protect. That's why we have a police department on campus. And we check with the police all the time, making sure that they're making rounds, making sure people are safe. We ask, you know, I go to student clubs and ask the students, are you feeling safe? And they'll tell me yes, mostly. You know, and if there's an issue, they'll tell me why. But I do think, Lisa, that um, that the time is you have to act quickly and respond to it to put out the fire because it just it becomes a, a fire on campus yeah. if you don't speak up against it. People then can think it's licensed to continue that kind of uh, um, hateful speech, I call it. We're chatting with Dr. Elsa Nunez. Dr. Uh you had written a book on diversity. It's been very important to you. I know that you're very proud of the record at Eastern. We interviewed a professor, a black woman, who had been hired uh, from one of the University of California uh, colleges, and she was a 40-year professor herself in the world of education. And she ended up coming to blows and ultimately leaving a college because when she looked into what diversity, equity, and inclusion was – she felt that it was teaching the wrong message about equality of outcome versus equality of opportunity, that people had to be put in these intersectionality boxes of oppressor or oppressed with the, um, with the presumption that one could not feel any empathy if one was oppressed for the oppressor and vice versa. And she also felt that the specific issue of a lot of anti-Semitism on campus was being completely ignored and, and it was truly troubling to her. But altogether, she felt that what she idealized for diversity, equity, and inclusion had basically been polluted. And we've been seeing some of that on college campuses. How is it taught at Eastern? 
Well, that's a good a good question, and I will tell you that I have said to so many students of color uh, and uh, um, you know students, minority students, that some of the people who have helped me the most in my life have been white, and so you can't put people in a box and say if you're white, you're 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 an oppressor, and you're going to not be able to you're going to hurt me as opposed to help me, and I think that class issues have been now now discarded in a way and we have programs at eastern when you talk about diversity at eastern that means that a a a poor kid who's white who's from a rural area has as much need as someone who's black from an inner city and there's class issues there so it's 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 not just race and ethnicity at eastern it's also class because class and and you'd be surprised in my lifetime how much I have de- identified with people of my class who are not minority mm-hmm. and, and less with a minority person who's of a, a fluent background. So if someone is from one of the South American countries and grew up elite but happened to be Hispanic, that their experience is not the same as my experience. And what we need at Eastern are faculty with similar experiences with this have had. Not every student grew up in Hartford, not every student grew up in a, a rural area. And that's, that's a difficult thing to, to um, have as a value because you want to make sure that you're inclusive and that you have different perspectives. And that's what makes Eastern special. It's not that we say we need all of this, you know, people with this perspective or that perspective, but we say m- all perspectives should be represented. And that's what makes it a rich conversation. And that's what helps us get to be as um, diverse as we are today. But are you then sending the message that this rubric of DEI with this intersectionality and boxes is not the way you want people to look at the issue there? In other words, what I'm seeing is that there seems to be this curriculum associated with DEI that's proliferated, not merely in college campuses, but also in employment offices and, and lots of places. And when you drill down yeah. into it, for someone like me, it's very, I don't like it. It's very troubling to me. I don't like it. Yeah, we don't have that at Eastern, no. Uh, the faculty have their courses. Uh, we have sustainability across the curriculum. We have issues of social justice, which is, I like the framing of social justice, you know, uh, better than, mm-hmm. than, than anything else because there's issues of social justice. We want a just society, and if mm-hmm. we all work towards that, we will deal with these issues of equity and diversity uh, along the way. And I, I think that, that uh, no, we don't prescribe that kind of curriculum at Eastern, and I would be very slow to do that. I do believe in academic freedom and that the faculty must, within certain parameters, uh, be able to use their intellectual capacities to frame the discipline that they're teaching. Uh, and it's very dangerous when you have a curriculum that's checked the boxes. And I have seen, and I don't know how true this is, it was just a statistic recently, that the um, amount of early admission applications for Harvard, I think was down for the first time, down 17%. That was a headline. I don't know how true it is, but that's what I saw. Do you think that there has been a dent in the armor, in this invincibility uh, shield that a lot of our Ivy Leagues have had because of what the country has seen in the last few months? You know, it's so interesting that you say that. I just came out of a meeting in which they showed our applications are up 25 percent. I believe it. So if they're not going to Harvard, maybe they're coming to Maybe they are. <laughs> but I think, I think, look, 
an Ivy League school. I am so proud of Harvard and Yale and Princeton and MIT. What a great country we have that we have these scholars teaching there and these great institutions. It's wonderful. But they're small, Lisa. They're small. Most of the education for college, uh, college education rather, it takes place in the public sector. So it's very important, very important that we hold that perspective. Yes, they're down maybe 17% at Harvard, but that's nothing. You know, they still have, it's you true. know, a gazillion applications. It's true. That's true. And, and kids are so disappointed not getting into Harvard. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, my daughter went to Harvard for, uh, she's a doctor, but, but anyway, she, and how happy she was. And she actually was, I discouraged her from applying. I said, you're never going to get in. You know, this is like a crapshoot. And she tried. So I think for a lot of parents and students, it's really important, an important social marker to get into an Ivy League school. But for most parents and most families, they they get a first-class education. And you know what I always say, Lisa? A lot of people who went to Harvard work for me here. I bet. I bet they do. Yeah, so it's not necessarily that you're going to – you can't be a college president. You can't be a CEO. You can't be, you know, an entrepreneur if you don't go to Harvard, Yale, or Princeton, or MIT, or Stanford. I mean, that's just not the way this country works. Dr. Elsa Nunez, who's going to be the president of Eastern when you're not there? <laughs> well, there's a there's a search going on, I'll tell the listeners, and um, they'll be interviewing candidates this spring with the goal of appointing someone by April 1st or April 15th, and I'm confident that they'll do that. And then, then I'll get out of the way and let the person lead. There's a lot of work more to do at Eastern, so I'm eager to see the next person take the reins. And this this was the, the best run of my life. You know, as I tell my kids, when I close my eyes, uh, I, I will think what a wonderful family I had and what a wonderful professional opportunity I had to be president of Eastern. I can't be president of a lot of schools, but this was a great match for me, Lisa. It has the values that I you know, that I respect. It's a liberal arts university, and I went to a liberal arts college. I taught at a liberal arts college. So it all mattered. I felt comfortable in my skin here at Eastern. Yeah. And you did great things. You built a new science building. You put them on the map in U.S. News and World Report. You really, you did wonderful things for the institution, Dr. Nunez. Well, thank you, Lisa. I feel, I feel like, you know, this is a state university, we're residential of the four state universities. There's Central, Southern, and Western. They're commuter schools. We're residential, almost 90%. So when you have a residential jewel in the system like Eastern, it gives people, the citizens, parents, a real opportunity to send your child to a first-rate university that's not going to put you underwater financially. Absolutely. You know, why should a kid graduate with $200,000 in debt? The most... I mean, we're, we're 25000 and we give scholarships, and people get Pell, and they get state aid. And so no one really pays the sticker price of twenty five. Very few people do. And so you're able to put one child through college, two ki- children to college, three. And families with m- many children opt for the public sector like Eastern because they say this is affordable. I mean, it's still expensive, but it's affordable. And my son or daughter can go to graduate school or medical school or That's law right. school or buy a house or buy a car when they finish. They're not going to have – you read about some of these stories, Lisa, oh, that breaks your heart. People are in debt 250000 
at 22. How do you ever buy a house? I don't know. I don't know how you begin to pay it off. I don't know what we've done for these kids. And I personally don't think that it's worth it, but that's my own opinion. In other words, not if you're going to hawk yourself like crazy. And also with the multi-billion dollar endowments they have, how dare they even charge tuition to these kids? It's sort of a disgrace. (laughs) It really is. It's sort of a disgrace, but okay, whatever. Anyway, but Dr. N- but Dr. Elsa Nunez, you have been, you've been such a great treasure to the state of Connecticut, and we're going to miss you. Well, I'm going to miss. I, I will still be in Connecticut, but I will miss the work. I, there's no doubt. And I got an appointment to Harvard, which I'm very talking oh. about Harvard. I'll be teaching public policy in the Graduate School of Education there, uh, and uh, I'm very happy to do that. And what I've learned over my lifetime, I can teach young people in the in the masters and doctoral programs there. So, experience is the best teacher, Lisa. I made it a is. lot of mistakes. It is, and they'll be lucky to learn from you. Elsa Nunez, thank you so much for being with thank us. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Great to talk with you. Great. Bye-bye. Always great. We'll be right back with more of the Lisa Wexler Show. Stay tuned. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 